Well, welcome everyone. Oh, we get applause for that. That was nice. This is the fifth week of this series, and this is the first time, I think, over the course of five weeks that Caesar and I have been in the same service uh, when that video is played. So, Caesar, will you just come here real, real quick? Okay. Okay. This, this hurts. I mean, when he's moving, I just want you to know. Uh, tell him, how many times did we, uh, how many times did we do we that? We did that three times. I was wanting to do it four, but you wouldn't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing that. Um, if, uh, if you couldn't tell, uh, they, had, they had two air mattresses for me to land on when Caesar, when Caesar hit me. Uh, the idea was that Caesar was going to hit me and I would land on the air mattresses. But those actually just became springs. So every time it was boom, whew, and then I flipped over again, but we had a lot of fun. So if we have not met, I'm David. Uh, glad that you are here today. If you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to open that to the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we're going to look at two passages in Matthew, Matthew 22. Matthew 28, uh, if you didn't bring your Bible with you, you will find those passages at, at those pages in the blue Bible that we have available in all of our worship spaces. I uh, would love for you to, to have that before you. Uh, it is good to be back with you. I'll say a little bit more about where I've been the last few weeks uh, later on, but uh, I bet you can relate to this. No matter how fun or meaningful time away is, it's always good to be home. Do you know what I mean? It's good to be back to your own bed. It's good to be back to your own laundry facilities. I mean, amen to that, right? You, you get all your clothes cleaned. It's good to, uh, to, to be back at, uh, on your own couch, your, your favorite chair. It's, it's good to be among the people that you love, the people where you, you, you feel like you belong, you know them, you love them. Uh, I walked in last night uh, as the band was rehearsing for, uh, for Saturday night and just, just hearing the music, my, my spirit lifted and to hear the choir and orchestra this morning, my spirit lifts because this is, this is home and maybe you've ex experienced that. Of, uh, it was good to hug the kids, uh, to be among the people where, again, you find belonging and meaning and identity. And if you can relate to that, if you can relate to the, the, the feeling of it's good to be home, then you know already what this series is about. It's about coming home. It's about the power of home in our life, the need that we all have to have a place where we belong, a place where we are claimed and we are loved and we find meaning and purpose in that, and, and safety in, in that place of, uh, of safety and security, the place of home. And we're talking about the way in which the church is called to invite the world to find home in Christ. Uh, to find a home in a new relationship with God or a renewed relationship with God and the, the calling of the church to go out into the world to, uh, to invite the world into relationship with God and a relationship with the church to live a life of meaning and purpose and value. We started this series with a question, uh, a question that we said was, was meant to challenge and guide us as we moved through this series and that question uh, was how are we becoming a new church for new people in our community? Uh, considering the blessing that, that, that we have received, wh whatever capacity you would, you would express that in your own life of being a part of a church family, but then thinking about how are we ensuring that that same gift is available for, for, for others as they, as they find home in Christ. And so for the last several weeks, uh, Shay has been with you. He and I developed this series together. We, we knew going into it that I was gonna be out these particular weekends, and so we had laid out all the themes for the series. And after doing so, we kind of stepped back and looked at it and thought, well, this is kind of interesting. Shay's gonna preach on sin and brokenness, and then he's gonna preach on loss, and then I'm gonna come back for the final week of the series, and the topic for today is the big win. 
So just, again, sin and brokenness, that was the first one Shay got to do. And then he got to talk about loss, and then I get to swoop in and talk about the win. And I got to tell you, I felt a little bad about that. I mean, I thought, well, can we rearrange the series? But it just worked really well in that, in that particular order. And, and, but, but I reconciled myself uh, around this kind of tension, around this idea. Between Shay and I, if you don't know, Shay is a graduate of Baylor. And I graduated from Texas A&M, so I really have a lot more experience with winning. And, and so I feel more qualified <laughs> to speak to you about that. Uh, if you were here last week, Shea said when he was at Baylor, they lost almost every single game. And I can tell you when I was at A&M, we beat them every single time. So again, I just feel more qualified to talk about winning with you today. But in all seriousness, we talked about sin and brokenness, and we talked about loss to remind ourselves of the stakes of the work that we share together as the church. That as the church, we stand opposed to the spiritual forces of wickedness at work in our world. As the church, we are those who boldly proclaim a word of life in the midst of death. We are those who trust the claim of Christ who says that there is a thief at work in the world and the work of the thief is to, is to steal and to kill and to destroy, to undermine God's gift of life. And Christ, the claim that he makes is that he has come to bring life and life to the full. And so as the church, we are fighting for God's world. We are fighting against those things that undermine and threaten the kingdom of God that God is seeking to bring into the world. We are those who stand uh, against injustice. We stand against hunger and poverty. We stand against all of those things that threaten the human heart and soul. We fight on behalf of every human heart and every soul so that all might receive that gift of what Jesus describes as life and life to the full. This is the stakes of the work that we share. This is the importance. This is what drives us in what we do because we have been called to be a light in what we know is a dark and broken world. And as people of faith, we are fighting. We're fighting for the world. We are contending against those forces that seek to undermine life on behalf of every life. That's what we do as the church. So with an understanding of those stakes, today we're talking about the win, and maybe you've heard this quote before, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. <laughs> and with your favorite sports team, maybe that's how you think about winning. But, but how do we think about winning when it comes to the Christian life and when it comes to the Christian church? What does it mean to win in, in, in this life? Which may sound a little bit strange when you consider that Jesus was the one who said you have to lose your life to, to find your life. So, so what do we even mean by that? And, and before you get tripped up over the word win, you might also think about the word what's the goal or what's the aim? Where, where is the Christian life supposed to be heading? Where's the church supposed to be heading? And so we're going to look at two very familiar passages. Uh, you, you have probably heard these before. You've probably heard them in connection with one another. Some of you won't even have to look at your Bible because you know these words by heart. But I want you to hear them as an understanding for the Christian life and for the Christian church of what it means to win, to achieve the goal, to have the proper aim in your life what God seeks to do in us and through us. So we're gonna begin in 
Matthew chapter 22. The context of what we're gonna read begins in verse 34. Jesus is addressing an adversary. This happens all throughout the gospels. Those who didn't quite understand the message of Jesus come to trip him up. And in this episode, we have an expert in the law, the law being the Jewish law, uh, and he comes and asks Jesus this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, we're talking about 600 laws, uh, more than 600 laws of Judaism, and so the, to ask this question, you might think about it this way. It's like going to parents of multiple kids, all their kids are present, and you ask them, which one's your favorite? I mean, it's an impossible question, and let, yet listen to what Jesus says. Uh, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God, with all your heart and all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So the expert in the law asks for one, and Jesus gives him two. But he says everything is built on these two things. Loving God and loving others. In other words, in fulfillment, if you were acting in fulfillment of any of the other hundreds of laws, but you lose sight of loving God and loving others, you've missed the point. Because everything grows from this foundation. And so in our church family, we talk about that our desire is empowering people to grow in love of God, love of others, and service to the world. Love God, love others, and serve the world is what disciples of Christ do. That's what we believe, that's what we seek to, to train and equip people to do, and the goal of the Christian faith is continually growing in that love. The idea that the capacity in your life uh, to not only love God but love others would be more tomorrow than it is today. That you over the course of your life, as you grow in the knowledge and understanding of God's abundant love and grace for you, that it would give you the strength and the capacity to continue to surrender yourself to God, dying to yourself so that uh, the capacity in your life to serve, to sacrifice, to bless, to give, it continues to grow, overflowing within you and out of you into an outward expression of love and service to the world, giving you courage and the conviction to be the church, the, again, the people of God who speak a word of life in the midst of death. So we begin with this idea of grow, to win at the Christian life, to win as the Christian church is to continually grow, never stop, every single day pursuing a, a deeper, deeper relationship with God expressing itself in deeper love of God and love of others and service to the world. So turn with me to the end of the gospel, Matthew chapter 28, following the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is about to ascend to the Father and he gives to his 11 remaining disciples this commission. Again, familiar words that I bet you've heard before. Jesus says in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So at the very end, Jesus says, go, make disciples. Go do for others what I have done for you. As I have trained you, as I have shared life with you, as I have loved you, now you go love others. Go train others, go instruct others, go invite others into this way of life that we have shared together. Now I give to you 
what you must now give to others. And in order to do that, you have to go. Go into all the world and invite people into this way of life that I have given to you. You gotta grow. Winning is growing, but it's also going. It's always going further and further out into the world to to share the good news that we have received in which we now live and in which we share with others and invite them to live in as well. So these last few weeks, uh, I was in the area surrounding the the Mediterranean Sea leading a a Journeys of Paul cruise. Uh, We were visiting the sites uh, of the ancient cities where uh, the Apostle Paul first brought the gospel in the first century. And so I'll, I'll show you a picture real quick just to, to give you some orientation here. I know you can't see the names of each of those cities, but down in the bottom right corner is Jerusalem. And if you go all the way to essentially the top left corner, uh, you see Corinth. That was one of the places that we visited. Athens is very close uh, to Corinth. And uh, you see there that line which traces the journey that the Apostle Paul took uh, on his second missionary journey up through modern-day Syria and Turkey, uh, over through modern-day Greece, all the way to Corinth. And so we visited Corinth two Sundays ago. Uh, We got there uh, early in the morning. The first thing that we did, because it was Sunday and we were there in Corinth, is we shared Holy Communion together. And I'll show you a picture of of that service. Uh, I wanted to share this picture with you in particular so that you could see the honored guests that we welcomed uh, to the communion table. There were a couple of just uh, dogs there in the the ruins. I I want you to know that created a bit of a theological quandary for me. We always highlight that the body and blood of Jesus is available for all. But we didn't give any to the dogs, just so you know. So um, uh, they were hungry for the body and blood of Jesus, but they did not get any. Um, so we were there in Corinth, and, and in preparing what I wanted to share with the group, uh, what, I, what I wanted them to do was to, to be able to connect being in Corinth to where the message first began. And I was trying to think about, so how, how, how can we, on this morning as we receive communion, how can we think about this place in relationship to Jerusalem? Where, where all this began. And so what I did was I, I downloaded an app on my phone, uh, a, a compass app, if you will, it uses the GPS. And so from anywhere in the world, you can, you can orient yourself towards Jerusalem. So just in case you're wondering, Jerusalem is 7,000 miles that way, okay? So if you're interested, just go that way for 7,000 miles. You'll get to Jerusalem eventually. Uh, so there in Corinth, I was able, before we began to say, Corinth, uh, uh, Jerusalem is that way. Uh, And then to point out to the group that it's that way, almost a thousand miles that way. And invited the group just to think about that this, where we are, this this is the gospel. Coming to these people, uh, almost a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. Because Paul and others with him, uh, men and women of deep faith uh, in Christ who'd surrendered to the lordship of Jesus and out of that commitment, they had responded to his command to go to go into all the world and traveled that far to bring that message to the church there in Corinth. Um, in, in your um, seats when you arrived uh, were some books. Um, we you hand me that one over there, Jim? Uh, you may have thought, every seat in the sanctuary is saved. Where am I going to sit? But these are for you. Uh, we want you to take uh, one of these. We'd love for every person to have one. Uh, in, uh, over the course of the last year, our building planning team has been working uh, with our staff, with all of our lay leadership, uh, with more than 100 key ministry leaders, uh, looking at the life of our church, 
uh, looking at the way in which we are sharing ministry together today, looking at the constraints that we experience, the opportunities that we have, looking forward into the future and, and thinking about the, the additional future ministry plans that we have and expansion that we, we hope to see in our, in our life and ministry together and, and developing plans uh, to bring before our congregation for what that future might be. In May, we as a church body gathered together and voted to move to the next phase of that process, which is bringing that again before our entire church body uh, and inviting our church body to, to make commitments to the future so that we can move to the next step and see that vision realized. Uh, we do that in that next step through a building campaign and that starts for us next weekend. Now this, this book that you have here is your guide for these next five weeks. You'll find all of the first 15 devotional readings in here, but the other thing that you'll find in here in the very uh, first part of the book, you'll find the what, the why, and the how. What the vision is, what the plans are, why we believe it's essential for the future of our congregation, and how we hope to see that vision realized. And what I wanna ask you to do today, friends, uh, those who share uh, with uh, everyone around you this commitment to the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ who love God, love others, and serve the world, I wanna, I wanna encourage you and ask you, read through that first section of the book. I want you to know the what, the why, and the how. I want you to have an awareness of that. Next weekend, we kick this off with two identical services, 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Come to whichever one you like. All throughout the morning, you'll have the opportunity to take tours around our campus. You'll see images that correspond to those plans that have been developed, and you'll have a chance to get a better sense of, of, of what those plans are. Uh, but as you think about all of that and, and what we are uh, sharing with you, um, I want you to know that in, in the coming weeks, you'll, you'll certainly hear more from me and from others. You'll hear from, from individuals in our community, leaders in our community who uh, just share with you what this church has meant to this community over the course of many years. You'll also hear some, from some of fam families in our church who have already said, yes, we want to support this. We want to see this vision realized. And so today I want to invite you to listen uh, to the first of those, listen to, to Taylor and Sally as they share with you. Well, we moved from Cypress, Texas to Mansfield because Taylor got a different job. We came and visited and we were super impressed. Really what, what made it go from like, well, this is, this is a nice church to I believe in where this is going is meeting the staff. Besides being involved in church activities, uh, we wanted Trevor to really grow. And so when you see what, what the quality that's going out into your kid, uh, that's easy to get behind. Sally and I have very different giving styles. Um, and so we're, we're a couple and we do everything together. So we gotta, we gotta work that out. But, but uh, I am a jump first. I am a give from the heart. I am a, you do something because it's right and, you, and I don't spend much time processing. Sally has to understand the why. She accounts for every dollar after the big, yeah, commitment. Taylor comes up with the idea, let's, let's go and it's crazy. And, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I'm the woe -er. <laughs> and he's the excitement, but I, um, but we do get there. We just need some time. Well. I need the time. So I what, guess. Helped, what 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 helped you get there on this? We know this church, and we do know the needs. I remember Trevor going to Sunday school and learning and being mentored by guys and learning to drum. And I want other people 
other kids to have that opportunity as far as, you know, space. If we need space, we need space. And I want that for next, the next generation and the next and the next and the next. The way that people and the world get saved is from knowing the Word of God. And I think you do that through a church that thinks 15 years ahead and spends money on places for small groups and special needs groups and all ages of kids groups. And the moms, while the kids are down the hall in the kids groups, can sit there and be together and have quiet and safety and learn the Word of God. And right is right. And I've never, we've never been disappointed by giving wholly and fully into right. I just think if people think just for a few minutes, what else in the world is empowering people in the Word of God? Where else can you go in safety and promise? And who's gonna do anything better with your dollars? And who's been given more than us? If you just think through those four things quickly, the right thing will happen. Everything we do. Everything we do. Everything we do. We do together. Everything we do. Are we supposed to say the other thing? Everything we do. We I'm Randall and I'm Linda, and everything we do, we do together. Everything we do, we do together. Together. Okay. We do that again. Everything we do, we do together. 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 What we are, what we're bringing before our congregation, I want you to know, we've really been working on this for about five years. And over the course of those many years, I, I stumbled across a document uh, several years ago uh, that was from 1996, and it was a uh, projected growth analysis uh, done by Hanfeld and Associates uh, as this church was preparing to build this sanctuary. The sanctuary was originally opened in 1998. It was later expanded in 2006. Uh, but the architects at that time did the same thing that architects do with all churches when they begin the process. They looked at where the church is, uh, where the church was, where the community was, and they sought to help the church understand what the future might be. And so this document was a 20-year analysis of what what the church would be, 1996 to 2016. And over the course of those two decades, the projection was that this church would double in size, which was an incredibly ambitious perspective, uh, that, that, that it, would, it would double uh, essentially in size over the course of those 20 years. Uh, I remember showing that document to uh, Mike Ramsdale, who was the senior pastor at the time of that analysis, and he said, that was as wild and crazy uh, and, and audacious as we could possibly imagine or dream as we looked into the future and thought about what, what, what might God do through the life of this church. But as you know, over the course of those two decades, this church didn't grow by the 94% that was a part of that study. This church grew by 350% over the course of those, those 20 years. And here's why I wanna share that with you. I understand the temptation that we all feel at times to ask this question, when is enough enough? Like when do we just get to say, Jesus, we've worked really hard. We, we, we've done a lot. Maybe this is just enough. Maybe this is just all we, that we, we, we can do. When is enough enough? I understand that temptation. And if on the brink of this, if you find yourself asking that question, I just want you to hear two things. That when we look at the life of our church today, 
And we look at what this church expected back in 1996 when they embarked on this, this journey of, of building this house of worship that we love, love so much. More than half of you who are here today, you were not expected back in 1996. You, you were a surprise. The anticipated growth that, that they hoped to see over the course of that two decades, it happened long before you arrived. And so in a very real sense, you are the youngest child in the family that everyone calls mom and dad's surprise, right? You, you were the one who came after. All, uh, all the plans had already been realized. And, and yet this church continued to take steps to make additional space for, for all those who came. The second thing I want you to hear is this. No one knows better than I how much easier it would be just to stay where we are. Trust me, no one knows better than I how much easier life would be, how much less work would be involved to just say, Jesus, we've done enough. But just a few days ago, I was standing in Corinth, sharing Holy Communion, and thinking about the fact that the gospel had come almost a thousand miles. And standing there in Corinth, thinking about that reality and what happened in the first century, you cannot help but also think, for the gospel to come into my life, it had thousands and thousands more miles to travel. And the only reason that happened is because ordinary men and women of faith, just like you and I, out of their commitment to Jesus and as an overflow of their love for God, said enough is never enough. When we consider that Jesus has called us to grow and to go into all the world, into the lives of all people and invite them to find a home, a home in Christ and a home in the body of Christ. And so before we even begin, I wanna just remind us today what the win is what the goal is, what the aim is of your life, of my life, and the life that we share together. We want to grow in deeper love of God and love of others and service to the world. We wanna do more in the future for the, uh, in the ways in which we seek to bless and serve people in our local community, people in our region, people around the world. We wanna do more in the future we want to live a life that is not only a blessing to those who we come in contact with through the course of our days, but echoes into generations to come because God has called us to grow and Jesus has commissioned us and called us to go. Let's pray. Loving God, today we pray for faith. We pray that you would bless us with the faith to follow your lead wherever you would call us the faith, Lord, to keep going, to keep in, in our own life, but in our life together, Lord, keep pursuing that next step of faith that you would call us to. That, Lord, we would have the faith to continue to die to ourselves, that we may become even more alive in you. Dying to the desires that we would have and, and rising to the, uh, to, to the passions and energy that you would fill us with. 
that we, Lord, may become the, the people of God you have called us to be, but also, Lord, that we may continue to share that gift with others. That children growing up here and young adults would be formed and shaped in, in such a way that they would live a life as a deeply committed follower of Jesus. And that again, Lord, generations to come would continue to receive the blessing that we ourselves have received in the lives of so many faithful who have come before us. Lord, give us the faith to sacrifice uh, consistent with the, with the dreams that you have for us in our future. We trust you for that, Lord. We trust you, Lord, to lead us and to guide us as we seek to be faithful to you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.